online, on digital, and on 88 to 91 FM. BBC Radio 2. Russell Brand. Live from Montreal, Canada, this is the Russell Brand Show. If you want to text us, you can. If you want to email us, you can. If you want to communicate with us in any way, you can. Russell.brand at bbc.co.uk. What a show we've got lined up for you tonight. Here's what's coming up. Ewan McGregor is going to be on the telephone. Oh my God, he's been in Star Wars. Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live is going to be in studio with us doing impressions and communicating his innermost views. And Noel Gallagher will be on the phone. But perhaps more important than all these stars is a certain person across the ocean, but never, ever really far from my heart, Matthew Morgan, Hello. host of the show. Hello, Hello. Matthew. Hello. Are you all right? Yes, yes. Just, what? you know, there was a little minor tantrum at the beginning of the show. Was there a minor tantrum? Or was it simply professionalism from one of the best-loved entertainers in the country <laughs> of Great Britain? <laughs> no, it was a tantrum. Tantrum. Probably more like a tantrum or something like that. Why? I what wouldn't listen I do? to Eminem. What well, can I listen to Eminem? I want my Eminem. I want a sweet. I want a sweet. Oh, the hotels in Montreal. <laughs> Montreal. Troll. Montreal in through What's Montreal. going on over there? I've heard you've had a hellish time. It's been a bit hellish. Uh, I think what it is, mate, I like, I like the people of Montreal, of course, but I think what it is is, right, listen to this, right, so Canada is a country that was, like, colonised by Great Britain, so it's got that facet to its identity. It has that immediate proximity with the United States, so it has that challenge. Then within Canada is the French region of Quebec, right, so there's all these different identities. If you go to Chinatown in Montreal, it's like there's so many layers of national identity, it would be a miracle if someone could successfully boil an egg. You know what I mean? It's just What, and that's annoyed you? Well, I don't mind that, mate. I'm full square behind them. People are entitled to speak whatever language they want. I don't mind. Bonjour, bonsoir, hello, George, hello, Salo. All right, you look nice. I don't mind what people get up to. I'm up for it. You know me, I adapt. I'm one of life's great crusaders. But I think uh, it creates sort of cultural tension. You know, like in some countries where they want independence, it ultimately leads to some sort of military action. Well, imagine if that tension was all just put into, you know, poor service in restaurants. You know, instead of <laughs> like that way it comes down to you haven't been treated in the way you've become accustomed. I'm not complaining. I'm saying I like Montreal. I like it. Here. Well, it all you've said is service in restaurants well. and hotels. <laughs> well, and there's some I mean, claptrap about nationalities. <laughs> That's not claptrap, mate. That's the, the driver analysis. doesn't even open the door for you. He's so Probably. confused about his nationality. <laughs> Probably is looking for raccoon pelts or something. They're French trapper people. I don't know what they're baffled about, but it's led to me not getting a mint on my pillow, and I'm not <laughs> happy. Where is my minty pillow? I just chewed through the pillow in the end, Matt. I was so bleeding furious about it all. No, I like it here, but like, you know, it's all right. The gigs have gone fantastically well. Uh, I might introduce later on in the show my Canadian fan base, Kathy. She's here. <laughs> oh, she's, I'll tell you what, scenes are reminiscent of Beatlemania. Catherine, she's over there. She's hysterical. My fan base, Catherine, over there. God knows what she'll get up are to. Are you oh, less God, famous in Canada than you are in America? Like, I'm less famous in Canada than you. 
That's uh, <laughs> that, well, <laughs> I'm pretty big over more. there, actually. You are. You're appreciated. When I mention your names in gigs, oh, quite a squeal goes up. Really? Admittedly, that came quite out of my bottom. Goes up. <laughs> <laughs> that was from underneath my petticoat. Yeah, no, yeah, Matt. Oh, they're very, yeah, you know, sometimes when I talk about some of your conduct, I'll mention you as I do, starting my campaign of negative propaganda before you set foot in the place. People are very, very optimistic about you. Someone told me to tell you, tell Matt Morgan Canada loves him. I said, I'll tell him nothing of the Oh, curses. Well, in I've other news... I've never been to Canada and I'd like to go. And I wouldn't, would you, mate? I wouldn't slate them for national I'm problems. I'm not slating them. I like it. I'm not saying it. I'm just pointing out because I, I wonder what it is. That's your official line, but I've heard behind the scenes you ate the place. <laughs> These behind the scenes talks you claim to be getting. No, I like it here in Montreal. It's nice. You know me. I'm one of life's great adapters. It's just it's an, un <laughs> it's an unusual social dynamic. Don't pff, my, my adaptability, You are not mate. an adapter, Russell. I adapt. Listen, I'm a multi-adapter. You put something into me, it comes out the other end's comedy gold. You know that. Anything you want to pop in old rust, out the other side, it comes all nice and funny, coated in phlegm. What do you mean I'm not an adapter? Name seven situations where I've not adapted well. Taxis, Go on. hotels, girlfriends, mm -hmm. life. Not specific. Not specific. <laughs> Not specific. These you are want just me to go specific. Go relatively specific <laughs> in a slow code that only I'll understand, and then we'll then we'll sort Hawaii, of see. Hawaii, even Hawaii, you didn't adapt to that. I try. Uh, listen, you were George there. Bernard you described Trot. it as a prison. <clears throat> Yeah, it was a tropical penitentiary. Bloody rainbows everywhere, turtles, they'll say proud. What are you going to do with a turtle? Once you've kicked a turtle in the belly, what are you going to do with it then? Kiss it and cuddle it better. You know, eventually that dynamic becomes suffocating. Look, George Bernard Shaw says this, and if I have to tell you this again, Matthew, I'll be tattooing it across your chest. The reasonable man looks at the world and sees how he can adapt to fit in. The unreasonable man looks at the world and asks how it can adapt to suit him. Therefore, the world is changed by unreasonable reasonable men like me and a little what, says this uh, when he's bullying a receptionist of a hotel <laughs> now look here <laughs> that egg is underdone and there's George Bernard Shaw said George Bernard Shaw St Bernard Shaw would tell you Sandy Shaw would have it be known look and I've been very reasonable on this trip you want to see me you should have seen me in New York on Conan O'Brien and knock people's socks off it would oh yeah how did that go Good, because Conan O'Brien, he's clever, so like, you know, it sort of ups the ante when someone's challenging you. Not like yeah. your slovenly repartee <laughs> that I'll put up with for a couple of hours a week on this show. Crikey. I no, keep really you reined in, don't you I? You reined me in all nice, you're a lovely I think we've fella. all learned that this week. What do you mean? Well, what? you know. What's been going on? Everything's okay in England, isn't it? There's not been any... <laughs> I've left the country as I... Everything's okay. There's, no... There's not been any hullabaloo, I hope, I trust. Everything's no. fine. Good, good. That's all nice. Here, guess who's in my hotel? Other than me. Um, let me think. Uh, that guy George from that... George Michaels. Da, da, da. No, he's not. He's What's he doing at the Montreal Comedy Festival? <laughs> He's cracking some pretty good jokes about his boyfriend, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you no, seen Kenny Goss? I ain't seen Kenny Goss, why? Oh, right, because to get back in touch with him after that time that he cornered me, you and Noel Gallagher at a party around Wallams' house. No, I ain't seen him. If you want to join in with this show, why don't you then? Russell.brand at bbc.co.uk. If you've got any questions for me, if you've got any questions for Matthew Morgan, if you've got any questions for the brilliant Bill Hader, have a look at him Hang on Hang on a YouTube. minute, why did you Bill just change Hader. gear? Uh, what about George Michael? Have you met him yet? 
Oh, yeah, I'm going to talk to you about him in a minute. And also, yeah, you and McGregor, you might have questions for him. Bring us any questions that you have. This is your radio show. We're here to service you out of nothing but pure, actual love here on BBC Radio 2. Yeah, George Michaels, he's upstairs in the... He's got a better room than me, but that's allowed, isn't it? George Michaels. Bloody hell, after what he'd done with Club Tropicana, after what he went through. Do you really think yeah. that, or...? Well, you know, like one day, right, yesterday, I think it was called, right, there was uh, loads of people outside the hotel and one of my agents from Endeavour turned up and was like, oh my God, we were like, because there was like hordes of people outside and photographers and everything, I was like, oh my God, this Russell Brown thing, it's blowing up, it's crazy, <laughs> we're all going to be millionaires, <laughs> like that, and I sort of was going, okay, we're going to have to get Russell out the back door, <laughs> and then like sort of, you know, then someone politely mentioned that George, George Michaels is in the hotel, whereas my fan base, Catherine, was quietly at home listening to the <laughs> <laughs> Can't be bothered to show up. Poor so what, cow, you haven't met him yet. Nerves. You haven't spoken. I ain't to met him. him, but I got a message from him. I got a message from George Michaels saying if you want, come down the gig. So what about that? What but gig? I wasn't able to go. He's what, doing I... a gig all over here, isn't he? George oh, Michaels right, okay. live in Montreal. He's gone to New York now, and where we're all going to meet up with George Michaels. You're going to become friends be nice. with George Michaels. Uh, I'm gonna try and become friends with him, probably irritate him a bit and blow it, I would say, would be the the typical path. No, I mean, I don't know, he's, I think, I've always had the impression George Michaels would be a right laugh, haven't you? Yeah, I think he's quite clever underneath all the, uh, you know, because he doesn't really talk much underneath publicly. All the what? I don't know, beards and sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> underneath all that beard and sunglasses is a keen mind, an academic gentleman. Yeah, so that's good. Well, I think, you know, perhaps we could get I'll ask him why he does show. sleep in his car. Well, he's probably just dozed off. All right. Yeah, that's a nice opener, isn't it, mate? Yeah? In New York, I'm out there for dinner. Here, mate, why don't you sleep in your car, mate? Here, mate, is it true your granddad's got a kebab shop? Here, mate, your boyfriend tried to cop off with a couple of my mates at a shindig in London. Yeah, great, great. Wait and gnaws up my burgeoning friendship with Georgie. And thanks for nothing, Carl's going to be the new Andrew Ridgely. Yeah, so anyway, well, guess what? I came out there to them fans, and I, you know, I pretended, of course, that I didn't mind, because you know, part of the part of me that is a divine spark, part of the universe, and that I recognise that nothing's significant. But the main part of me that's a great big ego and was drive jealous. and annoyed. So when I came out down the steps of the hotel, right, I had I actually had the letter that was off of uh, George Michaels, and I goes out and I sort of walked out and I sort of looked quite slow. Yeah, hello, I've got um, some very bad news about George Michaels, and I went, <laughs> what? <laughs> He doesn't like any of you. He won't be performing. <laughs> I'm announcing his official retirement. Come see Russell Brand. And then I guess that's all right. Don't worry, lads. He's right. Well, he's upstairs having a cheese sandwich or something. He's probably all right. You know, so it's all okay at the hotel. Few embarrassing incidents with uh, Judd Apatow, the uh, the US producer, maestro, king of comedy type character. Um, there was this bit bumped into in the lobby of the hotel and we was with uh, like and then at the same time bumped into Omid Jalili the uh, British comedian so it's very difficult if you bump into you know yeah, like you're the bridge. for ages you're the bridge yeah. between two people I was the people bridge and plus they collided very sort of quickly so there's like you know just and I hadn't seen Judd for ages hey Judd hello Russell and then hey Russell for Omid and it's like you know both of them needed a little bit of attention it was difficult and me and Nick Lennon was in our gym clothes so we was off to go down the gymnasium so it goes oh oh and I was trying to like you know for, oh god who's got the best status who shall I be nicest to and I goes oh we're was off it down partly the gym. fueled by the fact that one of them's Jewish and one of them's a Muslim in a way mate I saw myself as a Peacekeeper Come in on, a very guys. difficult situation. Look, okay, Judd, now you're a Jewish gentleman. Ahmed, you're a Muslim. Ebony and <laughs> <laughs> I 
tried to get those guys together, Matt, and they have promised me that the West Bank problem will be solved by Monday. So we're looking forward to a thousand years of delicious peace. Actually, there was a bit of a calamity where, like, me and Nick Lennon was in our gym clothes off down the gymnasium, right? And, um, and your gym clothes yeah. are what now? Well, if you'd like a description, Matthew, I'm prepared to give it to you because I've certainly nothing to be ashamed of. As Adamant said, ridicule is nothing to be scared of. I was wearing some combat pants, a black vest, rather tight, hair in a nice little top knot, some nice trainers with silver bits on them, and... Oh, uh, dear. Uh, look, like I saw, I once saw Nicky Clark, lovely gentleman, brilliant hairdresser in a gym. <laughs> he had about eight bits of jewellery on, like Mr. T in a gym. <laughs> I thought, like, you wouldn't want sweat on a jewel, would you? A jewel all covered, like, you know, a bit of jewellery with sweat on it. It'd be weird, wouldn't it? Yeah, but, but he did you know. look, he did look nice. I'll say that for him, Nicky Clark. He looked ever so smashing. So uh, there was a bit where, I got, like, yeah, Chad goes, oh yeah, we was doing some exercise earlier, and I went, oh okay, like, and, and then sort of, like, and I goes to him, and oh. That's before Omid had turned up, seconds before Omid had turned up. I goes, oh, oh, Omid, I goes, don't, you know, don't judge me on these clothes, you know, I'm just about to go to the gym, you know, we've all been working out, that's why we're wearing these awful clothes. And Doug goes, well, actually, uh, I've changed out of my gym stuff, we're, we're going out <laughs> oh, now. <no. laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to dinner. Mate. <laughs> I'm going to a funeral. You look fantastic, <laughs> mate. You look lovely. It's what he would have wanted. It's what he would have wanted. He's been in the gym. That's why he's covered in sweat. Naturally, I've had a shower and I'm off out with my wife. Oh dear, how okay. embarrassing. You, look at the sexual chemistry between you two. You're sweating in a bloody elevator. <laughs> You've made her the happiest woman in Montreal. Did you get away yeah. with that or did Judd? Pick you I think up, I was mate. able to successfully joke my way out of it, only to repeat the exact same incident by facsimile 24 hours later when he got into the elevator. When me and Nick were discussing how embarrassing <laughs> it had been when we'd done that, we're going, "Oh, that's stupid! I've done that thing." And like, just while we were discussing, he go, "Yeah, let's never do nothing like that again." And then the elevator door opened, and Judd was stood there as if it was like blind date, and Ian we picked him, <laughs> just went, "Room, Judd Apatow," and I went, "All oh, right, mate, going down the gym." <laughs> no, I'm going. <laughs> so in the same clothes. What? Don't I learn? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Is he, he, is he one of those people who's rich and successful but scruffy? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you could say that, Matt. I'd say he's a real handsome gent. <laughs> and I'd like to take this opportunity to salute you, Judd Apatow, king of American comedy. And I look forward very much to our forthcoming project, Get Him to the Greek, starring Russell Brand and Jonah Hill. Oh. And I hope that's the order that it will be said in. So, uh, yeah, what a day that's been. Oh, so Montreal, it's been triumphs, joys, disasters, laughs, mostly disasters. But, you know, the important thing is we're doing this radio show for you out of naked love. Come on, Matt, have you got anything to say for yourself? Well, G's not here. Where is he? What's Mr. he doing G's now? Swanned off so with I was that dancing say, boy. We need mm -hmm. someone to do the poem. Why don't we force one of our production team to do it, like Jack Bales or Gareth Roy to do it? They're our producers. They've got like a They're growing fan their base head. on Both the Russell Brand their and pretending to look busy. And, uh, they don't look busy. They can't even look busy. I don't know. Like they won't be able to do an impression of a busy person because they've never seen it except me fleetingly <laughs> worrying and doing shows. We could what get the man on security to do it downstairs on the desk. Which one is it? Is it Julian? Because he's always no, like, he's struck Julian. me as having a bit of nouse. Yeah, he'd but, do but a good look, poem, I think. But the guy down there couldn't write my name out very well, so I don't know if well, the poem will be very then. good. He's not, he be funny. He'll be listening to this now. They have Radio 2 on down there in reception, don't they? They're forced to listen. Uh -oh. I don't think so. Why don't we get Gareth Roy to do it? Why don't we force him? He's not a man given to public performance, so yeah. it'll be good to impose yeah, that on him. Gareth? Yeah? Come on, Gareth, do he's it. Just don't be lazy. Yes, he's picking up his quill. He's picking up his cool. Is he contemplating, looking out of the window, thinking of a famous first lines He's to start something, on? Yep. Then crossed it out, 
his hands <laughs> to his head. He's thrown it in the bin. Right. He's a tortured the... genius. He's a genius. Thank God we've untapped his talent. Gareth Roy will be summarising this show in poetry at the end of the show. We'll all look forward to that because Mr G's ponced off with George Sampson and what can only be described as a, some sort of ponceology. Where is, where is G? Is he with George actually, Sampson? I actually don't know. He's what? He's gone. Where is he? He's gone to the Latitude Festival. Well, that's just everywhere. All you have to do is walk sideways. That's what Latitude means. You don't have to go to Latitude. Just take a step to the left or a step to the right. Put your hands on your head. Ah, what a world. What a wonderful world it is. We've got some fantastic things coming up. As you know, later on, Ewan McGregor will be on the show. Noel Gallagher's going to be on the show. Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live will be on the show. Of course, he's in Knocked Up and Superbad as well. Have a look at some of his things on uh, YouTube. He does a good impression, Matt, of uh, Daniel Plainview out of that film was oh, really? it called again there uh, will be blood, blood. Hey, take your milkshake. <laughs> milkshake. it's really good i better get off my chest because i don't do like doing impressions in front of people who are really good at impressions because i feel shy uh would you like to hear a little bit of news matt before we go to a record news your news yeah yeah go Not on really it's a bit made up news well it's actually true Listen what to this. you make this Fake... stuff up <laughs> no it's all true you should Fake try harder rock... Look, hold on. Look, mate, we've got a lot of items coming up later. Nanecdotes. People love nanecdotes. Gay, we'll be doing all these things with Bill Hader and various other guests. We've got Jingle Race War. We ain't done that for ages. We've been sent some fantastic jingles. Mm. People are doing great work. If you want to send us a text, what's the text message number, Matthew? Do you remember? 88291. 88291. Watch, wait, wait, watch, wait, wait. 88291. Yeah, so send us a text if you want. Hey, listen to this. Fake Robert De Niro caught. A fake Robert De Niro was caught when he tried to use forged ID papers for the star during a routine police roadside vehicle check. Police in Lazi, Eastern Romania, said he was dressed up like the Hollywood star with a designer suit and sunglasses, but he didn't fool us. We knew that Robert De Niro would not be driving alone around the remote. <laughs> Part of the countryside, <laughs> and we guessed he was an imposter. Hey, I am Robin De Niro. I've come to you see you in Romania. What was he hoping of... to get away with? Yeah, why would you pose as Robert De Niro? <laughs> I'm Robin De Niro. Can you check this mole, please? What's he trying to achieve going around <laughs> Romania? A search of the man's home later exposed him as part of a forgery gang that had been helping provide fake Romanian IDs to people from Moldova wanting to get work in, in Western Europe. What, as brilliant Oscar-winning <laughs> actors? <laughs> I am Elvin Pacino. <laughs> I am James Kidney. <laughs> this is a ridiculous way to try and get work. For heaven's sake, come on, focus on what you're doing. Russell? Yes. Is that the end of the song? Yes. Just sort of I fizzles mean, out and goes, oh, oh dear. <laughs> just, uh, it just drifts into a conversation <laughs> between yeah. Eminem. Well, what did but, you well, think thanks. it was? Oh, this is on the radio now. Oh, I like this. This is good. Is he all right? <laughs> How nice of him to have come. So are you How trying to brand it? yourself as some sort of badass criminal? Are you I'm a criminal. Matthew Morgan. Well, of course, you know, it was strange. I arrived here in this country once again. I'm taken off in cuffs, you know. I tipped a 40 to the curb for me fallen homies, homos, some of them was. God bless those guys. They put up with an awful lot. Yeah, and I just thought, oh, God, you know, oh, what a lot of capering. Because, yeah, obviously I want to talk about that gig a little bit in Northampton, right? What happened was, I've done this gig in Northampton, warm-up gig, and I go through the local papers when I do them gigs because I think you know connect with the people of that town and there was a story right and I'm doing it off the cuff right so this is not like sort of a great big campaigning thing for me this is like a live thing 
live in a particular town very specific to that particular context right okay. so it's like a, if you're doing like a joke at I don't know a bar mitzvah or a christening or like you know doing a best man speech you would say things that are p very pertinent to that particular situation now one of the stories I came across described um, a series of attacks in an underpass right sort of by an as yet uncaught bloke who was wearing like it seemed to me while scanning live on stage scanning this newspaper particularly preposterous clothes right and whilst I, like, I was able, on stage, live in Northampton, I was able to say, obviously, it's terrible that there are people committing these kind of crimes in Northampton. That's terrible. And for the victims, that's obviously awful. I made that clear in that context, in that situation. But, like, people obviously, sort of, when people retrospectively write a story about that, they remove the mitigation. They remove the bit where you make it sort of palatable. You know, so, like, sort of, like, so what I was actually, like, talking about, I sort of goes, oh, like, look at this bloke who's carried out these crimes. It's, it describes his clothes. Going, the criminal, the assailant was wearing uh, lime green trousers and uh, a purple spotted hat and like you know sort of knee high socks. And he had like these ridiculous clothes on, right? right. And also the the attacks took place in an underpass right next to Lady Lane, right? And I said, right. well, there's obviously anatomical metaphors there to, to do you be do made. This sort of thing. Because I sort of, well, because it was funny, you know, it yeah. was funny, and I'm a comedian, and like, that's sort of my job, oh. to be to be funny in those situations. Where I suppose you could say I went far was like, you know, I sort of, got me in the audience that night, in Northampton, where these events took place, you know, and was obviously, like, the people of Northampton would have more right to be offended than anybody else, because that's where it took place, but they were obviously confident and comfortable that I had no malicious intent, and that the sort of the target of the joke was the language used in the newspaper report, obviously not the victims of attacks who, like, you know, what sort of like... Who's complained? Like, How did it get... Why was it, you know, an I think issue? It was put up on, I think it was put up on YouTube, like, the footage, and, like, what it is, is, you know, there's people that have to fill newspaper columns, so if there's something where they think, ah, content, content, and also people, like, if people latently have the desire to have a go at me because of what I represent in terms of anti-establishment ideas because of the physical appearance and some of the louche and hedonistic... Uh, spoutings that I've, you know, over the last couple of years that have come out of my face. You know, I suppose it's like an opportunity for people to kick back a little bit. But like, you know, because like, I suppose if you over, if you simplify it to, oh, don't make jokes about anything that's serious, then, you know, well then, all right, I suppose so. All right, then we won't make it. Obviously, you know, like attacks of that nature are very, very serious. But like, if we, if we, if you f forbid us and prohibit and impede our rights to talk about things and like joke about things, I didn't say anything that I wouldn't have said. I suppose I wouldn't have said it if then people, God, if they were sat there, I suppose I'd have gone, oh God, sorry about that. Yeah, I'd be a lot more sensitive. You wouldn't know if they were sat there. Yeah, but like, I if they had been there, I reckon like that I would have been able to deal with it in the situation. I'd have gone, oh my God, I didn't mean that. That was bad. And I would have been How able to. How would you know like, they were there? They would put their hand up and go, that was me, are they? Well, I suppose, like, well, I suppose, yeah, I suppose not. But like, if those people were offended and if they came to me, then I would talk to them and I, I could be able to have a, a yeah. dialogue with those people. But like, you know, the people that are claiming to be offended by that event, they're not offended by that event. They're offended by the existence of people that don't 
live their lives according to the cosh and shackles of conformity. That's not, they're not like, you know, like the people that have written in newspapers aren't going, what, oh, how dare, it's not a legitimate feeling, it's utterly disingenuous, it's just an opportunity to be oppressive. Like, sort of coming yeah, from the you airport, can't like, say that, all you can say is, I'm, you know, like, I'm sorry if you took it the wrong way, but this is well, what I, I meant. Well, I have said that, Matthew, I have said that, no, I have said that, I have said that, but like, you know, I think it's far more dangerous that we create a, a context where people can't communicate than we have a, where people, you know, occasionally, like, things are insensitive, alright, that is bad, but like, I could apologise to those people, of course if I met those people I'd say, oh sorry, yeah, I just got carried away, I was on stage, I was reading that local newspaper, we all got carried away, I was improvising, but I didn't say anything that was insensitive about you, I would never say anything that would undermine victims of those kind of circumstances, and in fact you know me well, and I've written a book about it, I've been victim of similar crimes myself, as a child I was a victim of sexual abuse, right, so I sort of feel like, I feel, that, and I don't mean, oh here's my passport to say what I like about anything, but personally I think you can apply humour to any situation as long as you're respectful and as long as you're not coming from a perspective of malice towards people that are vulnerable and like I've looked inside myself and I know that my intentions are good right and like so one of the uh, things like that was written I suppose the thing that's sort of most offensive some bloke in the sun I don't remember his name but at the end of his article it was kind of like you know the people of Northampton should attack Russell Brand with a baseball bat like it was sort of like you know well the people what? of Northampton yeah it was like a proper incitement to violence right and like but like like they were there the people of Northampton were who I was talking to and they knew that I come from a position of mirth and love and trying to overturn fear so that you don't walk around being all terrified or oh, I might be attacked or you know, you know what I mean so I don't you know so this is not a situation where I like sort of say where I waded in like John the Baptist but I was there to do comedy and that's what I did and it yeah. was funny in that situation and I would like you know and I owe you know and if the people like you know people involved in that or any similar situations feel offended then like you know they have my heartfelt concern and my endless love but people using it as an opportunity to be oppressive repressive and controlling and to inhibit free speech and to incite violence off the back of it they don't get no apology from me they're my enemies they've always been my enemies and I'm glad I'm glad of the opportunity to confront them people and I hope it continues I hope that I continue to get the opportunity to confront people who want us to remain ignorant and oppressed I'll, I'll take it gladly I think it'll be a right proper laugh I'll tell you why because I'm a criminal every time I say a song everyone gets so much like Eminem now. Well, I'm not like Eminem no, in many ways. I understand your point. I do, yeah, I, I, you know, I think people should be allowed to joke about anything. But, yeah. so did you get a chance to reply? Did you get, you know, like, did they call you up for a quote? Well, yeah, they did, and, that, and uh, yeah, and sort of my quote was, "Oh, if I've offended like any of the like any of the victims, if I if I've offended anybody involved in that, then God, I'm deeply sorry. I would never offend it. Like you know, oh, that was not my intention. You know, it's sort of like I suppose you know, I, I, this is the difficult thing for me, Matt. Is it's not like a, it's this is not something where it's been the abuse of people with authority and power over vulnerable people. So this is not something where I can go right. Let's take this to the absolute hill because it was a bit daft. But like what I know inside myself is that you know it came from a place of wanting to create laughter." and I wasn't trying to victimise people that are already in a vulnerable position because that's not what I'm about. You know, yeah. and so like, you know, so uh, but what I resent is people like you hijacking it as an opportunity to, to actually me. be malicious and violent. Mostly you. <laughs> you. <laughs> so, <laughs> what I resent is people like you hijacking it. <laughs> Not you. You've been, you've been lovely so far. I've had I'm a, just I've been devil's advocate. Chat. I am on your side in this, but it's I wouldn't always be. It's the perfect job for you. 
No, I know you wouldn't be. Yeah, I know, like, you know, sort of, you know, sort of, and also I'm a kind of like, I know when, when I do something out of order, which all of us do as human beings live, you know, like sort of, I'd go, oh, yeah, sorry, that was stupid. And like, you know, I, I resent any sort of, I, I, I would be, I'm sorry for any, like, if, if people are actually offended by it, but I'm not sorry if people are going to get, like, a couple of their eye horses and their ivory towers and just use it an opportunity to be vitriolic you and ugly. should have played Leave Me Alone by Michael Jackson. Coming up next, I'm a criminal. there's a little track. No, but it's quite good. I've always, to tell you the truth, I've always wanted an opportunity to play Criminal by Eminem. I used to, when that song came out, I thought, oh, bloody hell, perhaps the day will come and I'll legitimately be able to play that, you know, in some sort of correct context. Yeah, but like, it's sort of difficult, really, isn't it? Like, so good. The thing is, you're not you... being sued, you're not being, you know, it's not going to go anywhere. And you, I think if everyone saw the whole facts in front of them, saw the video of you doing yeah. it, they'd go, oh, actually, no, it's all right. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I see what he's doing, he's mucking about. He's just, you know, you know, that's a joke. There's no malice in that. So it's like to imply that it's malicious is sort of incorrect. Whereas to say, you know, attack Russell Brown with a baseball bat, that is malicious. That's like that's coming from a place of vitriol and bile and ugliness. But the punishment is that person has to live with that inside them. Whereas we continue forward. Got a letter here from Meredith. Dear Russ, Matt and Mr. G, I am Meredith. I'm from Ottawa in Canada. Here is my anecdote. Meredith, this is not a time for an anecdote, dear. We shall put you politely to one side till it comes up. I think, we'll, <laughs> Matt, what I was thinking is we'll do all items in the second hour of the show, doing with Bill Hader. Me and you, just freestyle it a little bit. What do you think about that? Okay, let's do that, yeah. Come on then, what's happened to you? Has anything happened to you this week? I was just getting the anecdotes jingle. I thought you'd segue oh, in the anecdotes. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is no time for a for an anecdote, dear. Well, we've got like I think you and McGregor's going to be coming on the radio soon. So why don't we just read out a couple of emails? And if you, Matthew, have got anything you'd like to contribute, let me tell you, it will be greatly received. Have you got anything you want to contribute? Yeah, what have you been doing? I went while to the Tower of London, right? Went to the Tower of London. It's so expensive, and then when you get in there, there's bits of it you have to pay again. You have to pay for a programme. I'm not saying, like, being tight, but, you know, poor old tourists that come Sounds to this country. A bit tight. Poor old tourists. They get ripped yeah. off. Well, is this your campaign, is it? Do you want to see if there's an Eminem <laughs> song that coincides with your views? Something <laughs> about English heritage. I think Snoop Dogg covered it. I want to see a raven. The price is a craven. I want to see a beef eater. It'd be cheaper to stay at home. I'm a criminal. Um, yeah, well, so, you know, perhaps it is. How much is it? Let's discuss figures. I think it's like £15 or £14 to, pounds get, to get in. Yeah. Then some things are like two or three quid to go in to like this little room to look at like army stuff. Then like a program's yeah. two fifty or something. It's a mm. lot of money. Program. You should get a pro you, you should get a guidebook thing when you buy the ticket, surely. Well, it seems to me they've seen it as an opportunity to uh, milk the tourists. I think that's what oyster cards are a little bit about and all that, do you know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, you get your oyster card. I mean, I, obviously I've never had the opportunity You've to use an oyster card. You've never touched an oyster card. Oh, well, no, I tried to use one once and I, I found it deeply distressing. But, like, what I think is that, like, they think, well, we'll fleece tourists because it's all revenue back into London without, you know, persecuting the indigenous population there. You know, mm. that's probably what's behind it. I mean, didn't you have a nice time? Or did, I bet you, your poor bird, come over from Los Angeles, lovely Katie, so she have to trape around the Tower of London with a man bickering about the price <laughs> of a programme. Well, oh, look, look, Matthew, it's a, look, is that a genuine beef eater? I mean, £7.50 for a cornetto? I mean, I shouldn't have bothered coming. And I remember you <laughs> complaining about, didn't you go to the Tower of London as a little boy and kick up a little scene because your mum and dad couldn't afford to get you a lolly, you ungrateful little sod? No, I wanted to go on HMS Belfast and we couldn't afford it so we just looked at it and I wanted Italian ice cream and all I got was a funny foot
Oh, funny foot! One of the finest ice creams available to man! Count yourself lucky, it's shaped like a foot, it's fun for all the family! I had style in class there? as a child, and I knew that Italian yeah, ice cream was the way we're forward. We're peasants! We're peasants, you said, and ran off. I said, Spoiled we're riffraff. Bob and Sue. <laughs> riffraff! We're riffraff! I didn't really know what riffraff meant, but they always said it in comic books, you didn't they? You got it from the Beano, like you've got your whole cultural identity from the Beano. Oh, look who's thinking, talking. Matt Morgan thinks the height of success is sitting in a deck chair, eating bangers <laughs> and mash with the bangers stuck in the mash and going, ah, this is the life, with a night hanky on his head. Slap up meal. Oh, a big slap up meal. I bet when you come home from work, you put your feet in a hot bowl of water, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> oh, that's a relief. Oh, me bunions, me corns. Yeah? Yes, you I silly do. Sod. The Beano's not a lifestyle guide, you know. It's not a Debrett's guide to etiquette. It's, it's just way. to entertain children. Anyway, I did Go have on. a good time at Tower of London. It's good there. What did you do? To go near the Ravens? Did you touch one? Saw the Ravens, uh, saw yeah. the Crown Jewels. Nice, are they as nice as my jewels? Some, yeah, they, you know, they're, they're nice. Well, they're spectacular, are they? What's the point in them just sat there in a cupboard? You're not allowed to I take photos to the... of them, and you're not allowed to stand still. There's like a conveyor belt thing you have you to stand on. You can't stand still? No. They won't Bloody let you relax like around them. Saturday Night Fever. I know. Oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, God, well, they won't, they won't let you relax near the jewels? No. What if you wanted to try on a crown or something? Oh, God, no. No. Why won't the Queen just wear them a bit more often, get into the spirit of things, if she's going to have it? I think they're only meant for, like, state, you know, like, like special things, and they're stored there. There's a lot of fuss and hoo-ha about it, a lot of jobs worths around them. A lot of jobs worth. Hey, Matt, something's just occurred to me. What? If we sold some of those crown jewels, we could open a bloody hospital, yeah? Because oh, I'm a criminal! Yeah! Why don't we just sell those crown jewels and open a few more bloody hospitals? See, that's why you talk about revolution stuff, but you mm. are, you know, you've got your own jewels, haven't you? Yeah, I know, I'm wearing one now, it's too expensive. I mean, the thing is, like, How I'm much do you spend on a bracelet nowadays? Bracelet! It's <laughs> gonna set you back, son. Bracelet, and it's done, pounds. Current climate, well, Sharon Smith sat here. How much is a bracelet these days, love? Between five, about five, eight hundred quid. I could open a bleeding hospital in Uganda for what that. What a revolutionary. I, I could cure a kid's cleft palate. I'm a criminal Wait. in Hampstead. <laughs> I'm a criminal. I've just misused my parking permits again. I'm a criminal. <laughs> this one was only meant for a visitor, but yet I've used it residentially because I'm dangerous on the edge of something. Listen, uh, you watch me. When I do that revolution, you're going to be so sorry because then what's going to happen to you, mate, when I start living a simple life? That woman out there, my ca my fan base, my Canadian fan base, first thing she said was she'd kill herself for me in a Hallibop style cult killing. Well, if that's I not needed worrying, it. is it? Actually, that is worrying. <laughs> oh my god, what's she doing? She's coming towards the glass, She'll mate. She'll kill herself for you. She's putting her boobs on the glass like Midnight Express. It's How like would Midnight that help Express. you? In what situation would her death help you? I don't know, just cheer me up. Look, I'm not suggesting that I want a spate of suicides, alright? I've had a difficult you week. You better not say I'm anything like saying... that, because I bet some of your fans, mate. Hey, they're the loveliest, best fans in the world, and if you're listening, and why wouldn't you be, what else are you going to be doing now? <laughs> I loves you. I actually love you. And what have we got coming up? On the 28th, we're doing that lovely uh, gig, or oh, is it 28th or 29th? 28th, 29th you've got the first sold of August. That's not your one panic oh, attack, right. Matt. Panic attack, man. Panic attack, panic attack, panic attack, panic attack, panic attack. Listen, that's just the one with me, Noel Fielding, James Corden and Matt Orne and Amstel doing a gig at, I think, the Lyceum. It's going to be a cracking gig, sold out, obviously, in minutes. But there might be, we might do a competition. Oh, no, we're not allowed to do competitions, are we? Tell you why. Because I'm a criminal. Yeah. We might nick the money. So, but I'll tell you what is coming up after that. That's all sold out. I think we've also sold out the gig at the Bloomsbury Theatre. Me and Matt Morgan are doing a sort of, you know, well, essentially, Bedil and Skinner unplanned. So unplanned that neither Bedil or Skinner will, <laughs> will be attending. Just be me and Matt on a sofa, 
and you can all people that love this radio show can come along and ask us questions and we'll answer it oh, no. with Matt probably every few seconds tugging my sleeve and going out of context that makes you look a bit of an idiot <laughs> <laughs> I'm shy like about that I might wear a burqa and just hide just see my eyes Burqa? Hang on. Sexism! Or is it racism? That's one of it's them. It's a bit of both. It's a bit <laughs> no, I'm allowed to talk about burkas without you jumping on the, you know, hey, beating me up with a baseball wagon. bat wagon. Someone right. Someone should get Matt with pliers <laughs> and hurt him back for that thing he just said about a burqa. You are insensible for doing that. What you just said there was unforgivable. And I say that as a close personal friend of George Michaels. Now, this is an opportunity to clear up something that went wrong the other week. It's a letter here from Jason Swalwell. Isn't that a nice name? Jason Lovely. Swalwell. Mm. Oh, Jason. Because it makes me think that he swallows things well. Swalwell, Jason Swalwell. He says... <clears throat> Russell, Matt, G, Noel, all of you guys. And remember we were talking about Hitler over the last few weeks, saying that because of Hitler's crazed genocide and incredible racism, lust for power and un unforgivable foreign policy, people forget that he was nice to his dog. Well, this is from Jason Swalwell. I'm afraid Hitler cannot be considered an animal lover. Before committing suicide in that bunker, he tested his poison on his German shepherd dog called Blondie to make sure it would work. I'm unaware that Blondie had entered into any suicide pact with Hitler, so it must be considered a murder. By cons committing suicide, Hitler saved himself some difficult questions from the RSPCA and probably would where he probably would not have been allowed to keep pets after mistreating the dog. Sorry to puncture your conception that Adolf Hitler was a kind of Nazi Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of love, Jason Swalwell. So it turns out that even yeah, I that, did know that's that, one thing. You what, tested, he tested the poison on Blondie. On Blondie yeah. But don't you th um, maybe he wanted Blondie. Oh, no, I don't know why I'm sticking up for it, though. Well, yeah, what were you going to say that you wanted Blondie? You didn't want Blondie to have another owner. Yeah, or didn't want Blondie to be all lonely after he's dead. You know, he might have been I worried think, about Blondie. Yeah, I think someone would have shot Blondie. <laughs> Suppose so, spider out in the end, did it? Why Blondie carried on? The Russians would have got Blondie. <laughs> they would have gone, oh, there's that Nazi dog. Must be out of, it's not, I mean, it's not the dog's fault, is it, that her owner was a right Nazi? But unless, the unless they wouldn't know whose dog it was, they'd just come in there and think, oh, God, there's Hitler, he's dead. Hello, yeah, who's, who's that this dog? little you're guy? You're a lovely little scamp. <laughs> hey, you can come and live in my house with us and our children. And the dog would say, oh, my God, if they knew about my past. <laughs> and I did a poo under the stairs the, the other day. I've seen... Don't believe the things I've seen far beyond your wildest dreams. <laughs> oh, you little Nazi dog. The dog wasn't complicit in fascism. Poor sod, it didn't know what was going on. Now, what I'd like to know is where is Superstar Wars actor Ewan McGregor when we need him? Don't snigger. Don't you snigger at my link. Linkin. It's good, wasn't it? Professional. I'm a professional. <clears throat> is Ewan McGregor coming on our radio show? Because when he is, I've got some pretty thorny inquiries. Is for him. He's, he's going to be, be on in two soon. minutes. Can you imagine Lovely. That? He's, oh my God, he's in Canada, you know. Uh, he's in Toronto, another bit of Canada. He's doing, a, he's, he's shooting his forthcoming movie, Amelia. It's a biopic of the American pilot, Amelia Earhart. Strange mm. name, isn't it? Earhart. What's the point in that? Hey, don't get some cool kidney nose, do ya? Hey, <laughs> don't get some cool that. Don't get some cool tit liver, do ya? What's the point in that? Well, I wonder what he done, this fella. In 1937, he attempted to make a flight around the world. Oh, right. He's obsessed with going around the world, isn't he? Ewan McGregor. He's yeah, a latter day Willie Fogg, isn't he? Go around the world on a bike. Go around make the world a on a balloon. flight around the world. You'd have to land so many times. You might, it's just, I mean, you know. Might as well walk. Doesn't really count as a buffer. flight around the world, does it? Not really. Not in any conventional sense. It's just a string of flights. Yeah, you might as well just sit at home playing your PlayStation. 
Might as well, mightn't you? Mm. What's the point of getting out of bed? Might as well just lay there. Well, you and McGregor will be on the phone shortly and we'll have a jolly good chat to him. Oh, here's an email. Hello, Russell, Matt and G, although G's not here because he's betrayed us. I have a half-sized cardboard cutout of you, Russell, on the back seat of my car. It's caused quite a stir in North Wales. <laughs> Love Joe. People Even are chasing over... me with baseball bats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be steady, steady on in Northampton. The people of North Wales are big fans of old Russ. They'll worship that cardboard cutout, even though it's half-size of me. I don't like people size? thinking... Half-size? That's a bit worrying. Yeah. Be, yeah, I don't like the idea that I can be reduced to a, a, a semicolon of myself, a shadow of myself. Matt, what would make your life even better than it is now after having my friendship for all these years? The treasure of my guard, to the hear, joy of my proximity. To hear the voice of a real Jedi. Oh my god, well you are in luck because Ewan McGregor is actually on the telephone. Hello Ewan McGregor. Hello Roger, how are you? Oh, quite well, thanks really. You know, there's been a lot of pressure over the past week but we've come through it stronger than ever. How are you Ewan? I'm very good. What kind of pressures have been on your shoulders there? Well, you know, propaganda, rhubarb, hullabaloo, a little bit of a stir, lots of whoops-daisy type shenanigans, but it's all over now and you've missed a very heartfelt uh, speech from me and perhaps the inappropriate use of the Eminem track, Criminal, and I'm loath to go back on it all over again. But, well, but it's... I don't want to drag it all back up again. I can understand. Yeah, oh no, you've been through it, mate. You, the amount of times yeah. you've been round the world on various vehicles, you must have seen a thing or two, have you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Travelling yeah, round yeah. the world. That's right, yeah. all over the place. Yeah, it was good. You're all, always round the world, aren't you? <laughs> I, like, I liked it when I met you in that trailer and I was dressed as a golden... I met you on the film lot, of course, of Sony Studios. I think you were having your head covered in uh, putty or gel so that someone could take a mould of your head and I was dressed yeah. as a golden robot. That's and I, right. I felt what I enjoyed you, and is it made me feel complicit in a world of actors because neither of us mentioned the absurdity of our physical appearance. <laughs> I liked your opening line when you said, "I always knew it would be this way." <laughs> oh yeah, that was a nice opener. Do you remember? Yeah, I did say that. Hey, say that. I am. Yeah. I am the new Oscar Wilde. So you and so what were you doing? I... There? What were you? What were you doing on the um, dressed as a gold robot on this stage there? Um, I'd in, well, I was trespassing on the Sony lot, and I thought if I dressed as C-3PO, I might be able to get near you and use my world-beating <laughs> line that I'd been working on for ah. several months. <laughs> then he'll love me! Perhaps it then worked, the two of us... You got right in there, right in the inner circle, didn't you? I got right in, almost too close. I stole a little bit of that putty that they were moulding your head with, a bit I that was you. right near your lip. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, sleep with, I sleep with it under my no, pillow, you and... The lip gangly bits. Yeah, they get a little bit of lip skin on them. A little bit of lip skin stuck to a bit of putty is what passes for a wife in my world. <laughs> you and no, I'm now. Where are you now? You're in back, in, back at home. No, I'm in Montreal. Matt Morgan, my co-host, is in London, and you are in Toronto. What a world! No, I'm in Los it... Angeles, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's almost the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I can't see any. I couldn't get out. Didn't let me out again. Why? What have you done? Is it because of your past? Are you a criminal? Well, I don't want to talk about it on radio, you know what I mean? No, well, anyway, it's not dragged that up. I'm still having a good time. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it. It's, it sounds like a man addressing us from in a penitentiary, Ewan. So it's the, <laughs> it's the, the image. Penitentiary. I was just shooting a film and uh, we were in Angola prison. And um, that was an eye-opener. I think, um, not that I've ever been close to going to prison, but as being mm. having been in one, it really encouraged yeah. you never to be in a position where you might be locked up in one. Just horrendous. Stay away. Stay away from the bars. You if you, you've been in there. Uh, 
No, I've only ever been in police cells, but I still consider myself a criminal. I don't think I would fare well in an actual police, uh, in, in an actual prison, Ewan, on accounts of my in incredible sensitivity, feet nature, and constant need for love and attention. You know? I think I might struggle. I, unless I became a sort of, uh, like, a, a Mr. Big type character, like Grouty in Porridge. Right. Yeah. You'd be very popular, I'm sure. You'd be passed around like a rag doll. <laughs> yeah, I know. I try not to be like a rag, though. I try and, like, you know, sort of keep some my spirits up. <laughs> All right, boys, if we're going to do this, let's do it nicely. Okay. Come on, give us a cuddle. <laughs> Shower time! <laughs> try and keep spirits up. Now then, let's interview you even more, Ewan McGregor. Ewan, you are yeah. a kind man and are therefore a UNICEF ambassador. Why is yeah. that? Well, because um, when we did our first trip, uh, the long way round, we, we visited different UNICEF projects on the way through the Ukraine and Kazakhstan and Mongolia. Mm. And um, I was really moved by the, by the people that work for UNICEF and by the, you know, the kids that they help. And mm. uh, so I just decided to, you know, that they asked me to be a, an ambassador when I came back. I was really honoured to be so. I do whatever I can for them because um, I think it's really uh, beautiful work, you know. They're looking after the world's children and uh, I've seen... I've been lucky enough to be to visit different UNICEF sites and see some of the work they do, you know. And um, it's not very easy to see because there are always kids who are living in different difficult circumstances. And um, but the fact that UNICEF are there doing something about it makes it kind of uh, dealable with, you know. And uh, mm. anyway, I'm oh, right, yeah. as best I can. You're a lovely fella. Look yeah? at that, you and McGregor. You're all. It seems like you're a lovely man with a decent soul. Yeah, well, since you've become all famous and powerful, how do you, uh, don't it make you turn a little bit mental and self-involved? How do you avoid it? <laughs> well, listen, I think it does, for I think it does a bit, yeah. And then you, um, and then, you know, if you're lucky, you realise what's important. And I just think that I focus on my family and on my work. And uh, mm. I don't tend to focus on the other kind of trappings that go along with the, 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 right. work, the business that I'm in. And I think it keeps it kind of, um, you know, then you can be happy and you can feel, yeah. you know, satisfied at the end of the day that you've done a good job <clears> and gone home to your family. So that's nice. Good advice there, Ewan. Not for me, because I'm already in tune with those principles, but my co-host <laughs> Matt Morgan likes to spend all his free time traipsing around the Tower of London. in tune with those principles. I'm in tune with principles. Here, we've got an email for you here, Mr. McGregor. Okay. It's from Woody. Yes. I don't entirely understand it. I think it might have a nomenclature specific to global travellers. Hello, right. Russell, Matt, G and Noel. Noel Gallagher's usually here by now, but he's not turned up this week. God knows what he's doing. Here's the question anyway, Ewan. Can you ask Ewan, uh, as I'm planning a long trip on my motorbike, did he find it hard to defecate in the cuds? What is cuds? That's from Woody. Oh, Ewan. Oh, well done. I've offended him. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, obviously. Do you know what he did? He did it in the palm of his hand, and he kept every single one that he did along the way. He kept them. He kept them. He labelled them. He put little beads on them, gave them eyes and faces. He gave them all individual identities, and he does puppet shows with them. And that's what he calls his work for UNICEF. <laughs> Ewan McGregor doing fecal puppet shows for the children of the world. Is it, I, I think his phone just cut out for another reason, did it, Matt? I don't know. Is he still there? Is he not there? Well, I, 
Well, anyway, we've got the news now, so we can't worry too much about you, McGregor. But I think we gleaned some very helpful advice there from him. He struck me as a spiritual and delightful man. Now, that's, but the, more importantly, what is Woody going to do on his motorcycle trip with all his feces? What does that, that mean? Do it in the cuds. That must be a part. I didn't know of what cuds. That was the nomenclature that I didn't understand. I didn't it can't understand be a part of the language. bike. You wouldn't do that in your bike, would you? So you'd you have, it just I means the fields think. or something. Cuds must mean the countryside, is that? But it's a very aggressive abbreviation of a very lovely word. No, cuts. no. Obviously, it's like it means ditches or something, not the countryside in, the in general. Did in the cuts? I've got a cousin in the cuts. That's what you should do. You should do, you should do some uh, charity work like that sort of I, charity work. Oh yeah, right. My focus fundraiser gig. What do you think I'm doing with that money? Back pocket in a lot of it. Is that what you think? I'm doing half that to help people. Well, that's because I've already given them half out of my own pocket, out of generosity. Yes, I've charged them a, an extortionate interest rate. But if you get into trouble, <laughs> you gave them half. To get into financial trouble. You gave that's them money I, and then recalled yeah. the money. I borrowed them it, and I goes, look, what I'll do is until we can put this gig on, I'll borrow you a little bit of money, quite a lot of money actually, because well, so there's no junk. There's junkies in a room being told, it's, your treatment's going well, Dave, but unfortunately Russell mm. Brand's taking the money back, so you're just going to have to go and live back on the streets. Is that what's happened? I've asked them not to use my name when they are evicting people. <laughs> I've said, just clear them junkies right on out of there. Just say that Father Christmas has been run over. Just put it down to some sort of freak incident. Don't blame me. I'm just That's why we've got to get this gig on, Matt, because there is junkies out there not getting treated, and all because of my financial structure does not allow room for slackers. You can't afford to slack. Oh, you know, the people will learn this lesson time and time again. Okay, so Ewan McGregor is going to be coming back after the news we've just heard, where we'll also be joined by the brilliant Saturday Night Live regular Bill Hader. Now, I'm personally quite uh, I'm enamoured of Bill Hader on accounts of when I interviewed him on TRL, when I'd done an item on TRL in America, and uh, he, for my amusement and almost solely my amusement, turned into a horse and ran around the audience doing a really aggressive horse impression. And, like, and on TRL, it's like a kids' programme on MTV, it's all children sat around on like he seats turned into a horse it was a very good impression matt he really committed ah, you couldn't see right. any thought process behind his he just looked like a horse and then he was kicking out on that and some of them children could have been kicked and it was i mean is he in control me, of this behavior or is it well he claims to be but it you know, don't look like it and a, like, a lot of the children whose <laughs> eyesight were damaged would probably <laughs> query and even now i can see equine human transformer bill hader hovering into view with his uh, geekish uh, geekish sort of anatomy he's waving at me for a window don't think we're gonna get you and mcgregor back because i felt like you know we'd had a good chat and i'd like we don't he can't really help that boy woody with his inquiry as to what to do on a motorbike journey whether we defecate it. it's just complicated isn't it yeah i'm sure someone will let us know what that means whatever that word cud. was if cud. you know what the word cud means i mean cud it's i think it means saying that cow chews up myself i've heard that word used in that context but why are we talking about the digestive process of a bovine creature when bill hader from saturday night live is sat here in the same physical space as me with all his body parts and face hello bill how lovely to see you <laughs> hello it's nice of you to join me here at such short notice was it short notice uh it was 24 hours so it was That's very it was hard did you have to pull a lot of stunts and tricks to get yourself yeah we, I was our, uh, Dan Wiener 
helps out. That's a real, yeah, it's a real guy's name. He helped us out. Dan Weiner, yes, our publicist, who carries that surname through life with such <laughs> grace and dignity. I met all the Weiners last night at the show, the the Appetite for Destruction show. All the Weiners were there. The whole Weiner clan were there. Yeah. I, my favorite of the Weiners, uh, Dan Weiner, our publicist, was Dan Weiner's father, Floyd Weiner. Yes. He was a, a high-spirited man. Very chatty. Very chatty, wasn't he, Floyd? Yeah, Weiner. Floyd. Mm. Yeah, he was like, can I share a cab with you? You should hang out with your family. Well, what it, what, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to redirect it. Yeah, I was like, familiar. oh, but your family's over there. Your family, what about your family? He wanted to just no. share a cab with you when he was no. with his wife. Yeah, I was like, but your wife and daughter and son and Dan. <laughs> and Dan Wiener. So we had three small wieners and then him and the, the female the wiener and then him the and, then she, and then he was going to leave. So he was I happy was, to just abandon them. Oh. Hmm. Well, yeah, that seems that the wiener family's on the rocks. <laughs> Seems that the Wiener family's falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> They're listening to this right now, like, guys, listen to Russell's show. It's going to be great. Bill's going to go on. Now it's all oh, this awkwardly silent. Okay, well, let's tell the Wiener family then. Let's, but, well, let's not prioritize the Wiener family over our massive listenership, two million people across the UK. <laughs> but, you know, suffice to say, Wieners, we mean you no harm. No harm at all. Bill, I feel that I should at this point introduce you to my co-host, Matt Morgan. Matt, be civilized. Hello. Bill. That's Matt Morgan. Hello, Matt. Matt's in Hi, London. Matt. <laughs> he's a he's a very he's a, a talented man, a very fine writer. He and I have been friends for many years. He's tolerated a lot from me. Here's just a quick capsule of Matt's personality. Uh, he's got a lot of gifts, but uh, work rate is not one of them. He can be quite slovenly. Uh, he drinks. It's not true I imagine anymore. now. Not true oh, anymore. No, he, he's probably drinking cider in the studio now. Are you, Matt? Water. Matthew, is that water, water that's been squeezed from an apple? Is it apple water? It's fermented apple water. <laughs> fermented apple water. Are you injecting it into your eyes? Drinking yeah, water, so, I'm stone cold sober. He's a lovely man, very much in the tradition of, you are a great lover of English comedy, aren't you, Bill? Yes, yes I am. You like Garth Marenghi and all them? Yeah, lot? Garth Marenghi, uh, the Mighty Boosh. All friends oh, of the oh, show. Okay. Oh man, those Noel Fielding and I are doing a gig on the 28th of July if you found yourself in London, we would be happy to exploit your talents much in the way they were exploited last night oh, thank you. at the Apatow for Destruction gig where you had to reel out all your impressions, didn't you? You had to do yes, them. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, Judd at dinner was like, oh, you should come to the show. It'd be great. But it's quite a big show in front of a thousand people. Yeah, I had no idea how many people were going to be there. I walked out. I was like, oh, great. Yeah, and then you had to do all of your different impressions. A lot of pressure yeah. for you. Yeah, and it, and it was kind of like it was like a club. It was like, what do you guys want to hear? Yeah. <laughs> and all these thousands of people shouting out. It's difficult, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not like karaoke. You, you no, were... no, it wasn't at all. I was like, oh, man. But I was just, okay. It went delightfully well, though. It did go well. I think, uh, no, I'm not exaggerating. Judd said, uh, we need to calm the audience down before Russell comes down. We need to kind mm -hmm. of bomb so yeah. Russell could come out and destroy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great, attitude. thank you. I'm sorry that I let you down. <laughs> no, you came out and it was like... <laughs> It was nice, wasn't it, that roar? It was, was it a roar. roar. I couldn't understand. Was it a roar of anger? Do you think? It was a roar of anger. <laughs> ferocious resentment from the people of Montreal because I have spent the week saying, that's probably because of my campaign to ban French that I've started up. I've said, don't speak French. If you're going to speak French to each other, do it. Just don't let me hear it. What you do in your homes, that's up to you. But if I hear one more je ne sais quoi, one more bonjour, I I'm going to chop someone's head off in celebration of your revolution. <laughs> yeah, very tricky. Bill, I'm now going to interview you in a pseudo-professional oh, fashion. Man. 
Bill Hader, Saturday, Saturday Night Live, regular. <clears throat> Here are some facts about you. And also, out of Superbad and Knocked Up, that's how we're uh, not, not... Hey, we're Knocked Up? Yeah, you Knocked Up. I was a Knocked Up. I have a part. I'm, uh, I'm, in the, uh, I'm in the editor at E, and oh, she throws yeah. it up in the trash can. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do a job with a hut impression. Oh, yeah, all right. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah that's good. a good bit. Quite a good bit. Yeah. Not as good as Peter Ferris. You know, Sarah Finnewitz's stuff. Uh, oh, you like? Yeah. Oh, look at this. His Star Wars stuff is way like, yeah, he's he's what that really, Darth Vader, all that. Business. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he's good. good. Yeah. Wanna, we want. We keep talking about having a Star Wars impression off, like trying to do something with him, like with a, him across the Atlantic, a war. Yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a war. That'd be nice. But that'd be good. I think he'd be good at that. I mean, I don't want to push good. you into doing impressions because <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't want to make you feel obliged. You can go on YouTube or something. Yeah, go on YouTube <laughs> and uh, put in Bill Hader. It's the you can all <laughs> go on YouTube. Here's some right. things I've previously done. <laughs> well, Bill Hader, Bill Hader impressions. I've just described amazing. Matt Morgan as slovenly, and you have made him look as diligent as Herr Hitler, who I'm constantly trying to apologise for on this radio show. I don't know why I've made it my job to rehabilitate the idea of Adolf Hitler. Now let's let's talk a little bit about you, Bill Hader. Bill, as a child you enjoyed the comedies of Monty Python and Woody Allen, but you would also laugh at the homeless. Is that true? I I would laugh at the homeless every once in a while. Just, the homeless in Oklahoma. Mm, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma is different than normal homeless. Must be hard to be in a t city called Oklahoma and yeah. be homeless. You would just think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every like, time you say where you're from, it's going to... All the irony. Oh, <laughs> cruel irony. Why do you mock me? Man, that's all right. That's, that's not easy for anybody. Hader was discovered by Megan Mullally of... Is that the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of Will and Grace while working in the LA-based troupe Animals from the Future. She brought him to the attention of Saturday Night Live producers with a single gesture. Yes. Just a sweeping yeah, yeah, gesture. Yeah, with a sweeping gesture. I give you Bill Hader. <laughs> but it was a picture. I wasn't in the room. There's just a picture <laughs> of you. Yeah, just like, I give you Bill Hader. Well, look at him. He suddenly... Mine went, well, all right. Well, let's give, him, <laughs> let's give this kid the chance he clearly deserves. Do you feel gratitude to Megan Mullally of oh, Will and yeah. Grace? Uh, yeah, uh, her and uh, her brother-in-law was in my sketch group, and so she came to see him, right. and was like, "Wow, you're really funny." And and uh, the brother-in-law was super cool. And we nice didn't mind guy. about that. No, is he's the, the nicest guy ever. Matt Offerman, what's most beautiful person ever. Is he a really beautiful person? Yeah. Am I to assume from your la latest announcement that the brother-in-law was not picked up by Saturday Night Live no. and is currently? slaving somewhere underground <laughs> no, no, eking out a living he's doing a great he's performing in los angeles he's thank god bill you're a superstitious man believing in witchcraft and voodoo you have a lucky charm you performed with a copy of neil gaiman's novel neverwhere in your back pocket you got the job then you was in you me and dupree and so now Neil Gaiman is for you some sort of omen because you were talking about Seth Rogen immediately before this audition. So you think that Neil Gaiman is some That's sort true. of window to good fortune? It was weird that I started reading the Sandman graphic novels and the day I picked up the first Sandman uh, graphic novel was when I got the call from Laura Michaels that he had met with mm. Megan Mullally. The producer of yes. Saturday Night Live. Why, do you, why are you so superstitious? Why don't you believe in the tangible things that can be scientifically proved? Are you a godless man? <laughs> You're coming across godless, Bill. Yes, Richard Dawkins. And, yeah. Richard Dawkins. We've had Richard Dawkins on this show. You had? Yeah. Oh, when, was, when, it, was it crazy or was he... It's pretty good. Problem is, when I have really uh, intelligent guests on the show, I change my personality <laughs> to fit in with theirs. And, get and rid of your voice. <laughs> and my voice, yes. And my voice. Mr. Dawkins! Mr. Dawkins! <laughs> 
That's right. It comes a nervous warble. Yeah, yeah. Same when Ooh. Stephen Pinker came on. Stephen Pinker, oh, the yeah, linguist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a right ass of myself in all of those situations. Right, well, hold on. Before we finish my professional interview and move much more into the Which format is of the reading show, reading my Wikipedia. Entry. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, Bill, there's not just you can't just get anyone to read out your Wikipedia entry, or can you? Bring on my fan base, Catherine. Come here. Perhaps just to prove to you, Bill, that what no. I was doing then was very skillful. We're going to bring in my fa Canadian fan base, Catherine, and see if she can interview. you with the same style and wit and finesse that I've just done. Wikipedia now, this is entry which was written by my manager, probably. It was written by your manager. <laughs> Catherine, come here and interview Bill Hader using those notes. Okay. You'll need to talk into that microphone. Already, I'm she's very, made a mistake. I'm very short. No, I'm not. She's incredibly short. She's short, of course she's And she's, yeah, she's very... She's a desperate she's, woman. She's, she's reaching very out. desperate. So, so I understand, Bill, that you have made several short films, including Back in the Day, alongside Derek Waters, and my wife, Maggie Carey. Rubbish! Uh, rubbish. Absolute There's rubbish! There's no question. You can let go of my shirt, ma'am. What are you trying... <gasps> just, we can have a nice conversation well, here. Don't be so aggressive to Bill Hader! <laughs> You've intimidated him! She's just leaving. At me. On the, now she's trying to sexualize him. <laughs> she's putting her finger down the back. Don't actually oh, touch no, Bill Hader, Catherine. Oh, That's my no, fan base. Please. She's been overwhelmed by Bill Hader. <laughs> Get out. There she I've been goes. molested by Russell Brand's fan base. That's what happens, mate. <laughs> you knew the risks when you came in here. Now, perhaps you won't query my brilliant use uh, of Wikipedia. Uh, that's true. I, I've done um, uh, Back in the Day with Derek Waters, and my wife has a show called The Jeannie Tate Show, which I've been you on. You are answering yeah. Catherine's I'm question. I'm answering. I'm being very nice. Well, frankly, all of She's us were humor in my, my fan base there, and we didn't know what the answer would be, and frankly, we didn't care. Now, you like Matt Berry, don't you, out of the show, uh, like, Garth Marenge, oh, Snuffbox. Yeah. Well, we got him to do this thing when he came on our show. We use his voice for a link, and we'll be using your voice, if you don't mind, for oh, links later. Well, we're going to do the item now. Sounds nice is nasty. Sounds Let's introduce... Nice is nasty. <laughs> that's the item, and that's Matt Boy Berry's voice doing it. This is about things that sound nice, but are in actual fact nasty. Nice is nasty. There you see? Who can argue with that? That's Matt Berry's voice. Even though I'm trying to find the note. Ah, you fool. Nice. Be well, prepared. Alright, just do one more and then I can get into it professionally. Right, Go on, Matt. Yes. Sounds nice is nasty. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sounds Nice is Nasty. This week it's with SNL regular Mr. Bill Hader. Hello, uh, Bill. Hello. In uh, Sounds Nice is Nasty, we get a thing what sounds nice, but actually it's nasty, like a bit of language. I'll give you an example which will make it quite clear to you. <clears throat> Dear Russell, says Chris Carey, traffic jam. When I was young, I thought this was when tyres got stuck to the road in a manner similar to quicksand. So traffic jam, you see, sounds nice is nasty. Here's another one. Greetings to all from sunny Toronto, says Tracy. Funny bone. Not nasty per se, but it doesn't feel nice, does it? <laughs> Who would argue with Tracy's wise views? No. Now, Bill, if any point during me talking, you think of something that sounds nice but is nasty, <laughs> or vice versa, <laughs> right, sounds nasty but it's nice, you feel sounds free. Nasty is nice. There, sounds you see, we, is nice. <laughs> we, we got him to do that. We thought he's in studio. We might as well get him to do the reverse. Look at this one. This one's coming now from Maria. 
I thought, dear Russell Matthew and everyone else, I thought you might want to know this about a delicacy many Canadians enjoy. It's called prairie oysters. They sound nice, but a prairie is a beautiful because a prairie is a beautiful thing, and oysters are nice when properly prepared. But prairie oysters are really buffalo bore of bulls' genitals and sex parts that have been peeled, coated in flour, peppered and salted, pounded flat, then fried, and then served into people's mouths, chewed up till juice squirts out over their tongue and goes into their throat. Sounds nice but actually it is nice no, it's actually kind of nice the juice uh, out of an yeah, animal's testicles yes really i'm from tulsa oklahoma so that's in that's that the delicacy the, yeah to have the juice yeah of an right well then this leads to a question that is often asked of our guests were you required to have sex with an animal bill what animal would you choose any animal now doesn't you don't you know don't think of it, uh, you know, just like you've, you've eaten with the animal, you've gone out for dinner, it's built towards it quite naturally and organically. Golden retriever. You've oh, gone for a golden retriever? I'd go for a golden retriever just because they're kind and, kind and, and they would stick around. You can trust afterwards. a golden retriever. I trust, yeah, I can trust it. They'd stick around, they wouldn't want to just take off afterwards. Yeah, but you know sometimes if you go for a walk with a golden retriever, you know it's loyal, Bill. I'm not questioning yeah. that it's loyal, but you know when it's, it goes in a pond and all its leg hairs get all clammy and stuck together on the back <laughs> of its legs? You can imagine that around the genitals. After. Yeah, you can. Oh. It is. It's very true. <laughs> so that's not, that sounds nasty and Sorry, is yeah. nasty. Sixty-nine in a golden retriever is nasty. Of course, it's nasty, and to do that, Bill, would be a transgression against the animal and against human decency laws, right? Mm, sure. In many ways. Now, Matt Morgan in the background, you said horse, didn't you, Matt? Yeah, I thought Bill would say horse because he's a horse expert after his horse impression. Bill, oh, lot, very good. A lot of people are very interested in your ability to turn equine. It's only a shame that uh, <laughs> on this on this medium, you know, you can't see it. Yeah, because it's you mostly can see pictures of it online of, of you looking very dignified watching me <laughs> and me with this dumb uh, horse, uh, yeah, horse impression. I tried to remain dignified, even though inside I was very, very scared. <laughs> Dear Russell, Matt, and friends, says Laura from Birmingham, England, or as you would call Birmingham. Say how you'd say Birmingham. Birmingham. See, what a poor sod. He got no respect for the culture that gave birth to his own. I'd like to put forward artichoke hearts for sounding nice. It sounds really violent and nasty. Artichoke hearts, like you're choking a heart and squeezing a heart like Darth Vader or, you with know. With his mind. With his mind. <laughs> Darth Vader weren't afraid to use his, his mind. mind. Yeah, no, he wasn't. Really? He had a lot of concentration. He could really concentrate. He could really he? concentrate, obviously. Because, yeah. like, to this is a lot of this is a lot of work, Gil. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to concentrate so hard that someone's heart pops inside of them, and I've still got you know, and I'm wearing these very restrictive clothes. It's not a lifestyle. Just give me a break. Come on. I wouldn't. I don't know how he got really well. I mean, I know that there was a backstory, but being swept up into all that madness to me makes Darth Vader come across as a little bit vulnerable and a man worthy of respect. Now, why don't we play a little record? Then we could come back with even anecdotes, which is an item where we reveal unusual things that nans have said. You know how like old people yeah. they might be a bit racist or sexist oh. or just plain charming, <laughs> right? Or we could do an item gay, where gay people come to us with their gay, frankly gay problems to do with homosexuality. Oh, okay. What would you prefer? Oh, something with the, the grandmother. Yeah, you want the grandmother? You sure? Yeah. If you want, we could devise an item where you have sex with the golden retriever. <laughs> seems how it seems to be. 69 in a golden retriever. It's totally different. <laughs> That's it's not like sex. <laughs> it's not like sex. That's it's about more of a, love. It's all about love. Very much removing and touching. Matthew, have you selected a record for us? Yeah, what about Leonard Skinner? 
What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You mean wine gums? I can I'm tell you doing chewing beef gum. jerky. <laughs> chewing gum? Why are you having chewing gum to cover up your dirty, cidery breath, is it? <laughs> no. I'm Why? sitting there oh, drinking you... water and having chewing gum. Because you couldn't bear me becoming friends with Bill Hader, is that it? A little bit is of it... that, yes. Jealous! Jealous I want to ask Bill, Bill, actually. I want to ask Bill about Tropic Thunder. Oh, yeah. go on then. The film Tropic... Go on then, Matt. See if you can do it professionally. Hey, Bill. What's going on with Tropic Thunder? <laughs> oh, what that was good. It was. It was brilliant. Go on, keep going, mate. Don't be put off. No, that was it. I was just asking what's going on with it. How oh, was it? Oh, that's no good. <laughs> you set up Tropic Thunder in case everyone listening to the show doesn't work in the film industry and is unaware of forthcoming major films starring Ben Stiller, Steve Coogan, Jack Robert Black. Downey Jr., Jack, Jack Black, Black, and of course, introducing Bill Hader. Yeah. So what's going on with uh, Tropic Thunder? It's and huge. And it comes out a couple, ah, in like mid-August, I think, or August 15th. It's, uh, I think people are really going to enjoy it. Why? It's huge. It's it an enormous movie. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, uh, plays a black man. I like the idea of that. <laughs> but he plays a white man playing, playing a, black a black man. man. White man. He Avoid plays like racism. Daniel Day-Lewis style actor who's like so into the part and the actual person that he's playing was an African-American so he changes the pigment, uh, the color of his skin. That's good. And becomes black. Did you have any scenes with Robert Downey Jr.? No, but I every time he worked I would try and watch him work. Did it's amazing. Did that unnerve him? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think if he'd known about your golden retriever stuff, that he would have been less willing to have you on the set? Uh, probably. Probably. probably but he didn't know. It was all just bouncing around my head. What are you doing? What are you doing in <laughs> Tropic Thunder? I uh, I have a lot of scenes with uh, Steve Coogan. I'm the I'm like the it's the movie's about uh, uh, the film Tropic Thunder, which is kind of a wildly uh, this movie that goes out of control. Like and Apocalypse I, Now. Apocalypse Now. Yeah, mm. and I'm the executive in charge of the movie, and Steve Coogan plays the director. So, mm. so there's some scenes with me uh, having to reprimand him, which is weird. You're good with Coogan. Do you like yeah. working with him? Oh, I loved working with him. He's brilliant, isn't he? He's a, oh a national gosh. treasure, of course. What I noticed about you, Bill Ada, is you seem to have got some uh, intensity within you, uh, in, sort of like a fast vibration that could easily spill into mental illness. Is that true? Have you ever had any trouble with mental illness? If that no. is true, just don't say that it is, because I don't <laughs> want the interview to go sad. <laughs> It's true. Oh, God. Bill Hader's through the looking glass. Because <laughs> it seems to me very easy for you to do, like, when I watched you, when I watched you in, say, uh, Forget Sarah Marshall, when you get all yes. angry with Jason Siegel when you're being his stepbrother, when you get all angry with him, I thought, oh, hello, he's nuts. When I watch you... Uh, <laughs> he's when an you actor, turn Russell. But that, yeah, that's I'm not... an actor! I've done actoring! <laughs> I didn't say you weren't, I just said Bill was. That's acting. Hey! hey! Are you a policeman? A... <laughs> how do you think, the, the, how have you got the right and the gumption to arrest McLuffin in cold blood when he clearly done nothing wrong? Why'd you do it? Is that, was that you as Officer Slater? And I would like to see Russell Brand as Officer Slater. Hey, I'm Officer Slater. You're all done a crime under arrest. Oh, so it'll be oh no, the cops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, F this. It's the peelers. The peelers are on their bleeding way. It's a Bobby. F you, because I'm a criminal. I think we've made that clear over the course of the show. Right, we are going to be challenging Bill Hader's beliefs <laughs> and further over the court when we're going to say, was you ever, did anything bad happen when you were a child? Has <laughs> anything happened to you, Bill? To oh, God, he's drinking. He started to drink. Why let people drink. Everybody settle in. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you shout, let people drink. Bill Hader has got a clean-cut 
booze problems, becoming obviously some sort of He's American on the and an alcoholic now. Both He's things, just been sick on the are. mic. And I'm just <laughs> pleasantly here taking it. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, yeah. Bill passively absorbing abuse <laughs> from a man who Matt Morgan quite rightly pointed out is both an alcoholic and clinically mentally ill. <laughs> How nice of you to be so patient with me. I spent a couple of days, I pulled my hat over me the other day, I was so depressed, pulled really? the camera right over my face, yeah, just sat in the back of a car. Really? Yeah, it was like a woolen hat, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a cowboy hat, it didn't look cool. That's not too bad. That's not the worst so? thing you no. could do if you're depressed, Ross, pull your hat what? down. Yeah, well, one time I pulled my hat down over my face. <laughs> yeah, talking to a guy with half a face. <laughs> like, well, um, oh, really? Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I've suffered, man. Uh, I put a shotgun on my mouth. Oh, that, oh, hat over my face? That was pretty crazy, man. Yeah, wow. That's dark. I pulled my socks up <laughs> to my knees. <laughs> one time I got so depressed I put my left shoe on my right foot and vice versa. <laughs> man, it was wild, man. <laughs> Crazy days, crazy days, baby. <laughs> Look, everyone stop making life. Why were you depressed? Why did you pull your hat down? Was it about hotels? It was a bit about hotels. Room size. <laughs> it was. It was about the hotel. There was no natural light in my room, mate. Oh, you God, know I need changed. natural lights. Hey. Natural light. When did you used to care about that? Always known about natural what do you light. Need natural it's... light for you're not a jeweler. <laughs> How am I meant to judge them rubies in a semi-dark corridor? M Mathu? You fool. Mathu? And if it was about natural light, then how's pulling your hat down over your face going to help? Well, that was part of my protest, actually. If there's no natural light, I deny myself all light. Okay, and I will leave this hat there until I'm in a sun-blessed conservatory. Listen, so you Bill's lot, this... mentally ill, obviously, here. Yeah. That's Bill, what I'm getting from all this. actor Bill Hader will be coming up with some of his yeah. more loopy yeah. revelations. <laughs> After this track, what are we listening to, Mathew? Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, God, all right, then. What's Go wrong with that? It. What do you want to listen to? Fine, the I know I'm on the show. Because Fine, it sounds like you're ridiculing it. Bill. Why, am I ridic why is that ridiculing Bill? Because Bill Alabama. is a real yee-haw hick, thigh-slapping, hillbilly slap I'm a full-on redneck. He's a redneck! He's oh, let's play redneck music for the redneck. Yeah. He'll get it, make him feel at home. Yeah, play that. Yeah, I've just given him some hillbilly heroin. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want? Wham. We've got loads of wham queued up since you mentioned George Ooh, Michael. I like that. Yeah? Upstairs here. George no. Michaels is in our hotel. He's upstairs. I've got a letter from him. Really? Mm, it's going really well so yeah. far. Hopefully we might become friends. <laughs> hope, hope. Let's not jinx it on the radio, but yes, it's on the cards. All right. No, uh, well, what do you... Hold on. Well, we, Sweet Home Alabama, we could play it and insult play it. Play it. It's a good song. It'll make me feel better. He'll Bill's dance yeah, around, you know. He'll, there he'll... I got hay on the floor for me when I came <laughs> in. And, and Russell hit me with the face of some horse crap. It was nice. I've given him a banjo. <laughs> you gave me a banjo. Like, Play it, you redneck. <laughs> <laughs> He's already tried all sorts of things around the back of me. He said that I should squeal like a pig. Say it's been the very alphabet, difficult. you moron. Go on, say the alphabet. I dare you. <laughs> he tried to do it by lining up alphabet spaghetti on the desk here. I was like, one, two, three. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> What's that alphabet? What's made numbers? Man, all right, man. Come on. Say it again, dude. I'll clean your plow, buddy. <laughs> That's nice. That could That's be a good. sting for, for our new item, Clean Your Plow, buddy. <laughs> Where mentally ill redneck actor Bill Hader comes in here and shocks us all with his explicit home truths. Here are some emails from listeners to our show. Russ. Please make Bill do a Daniel Plainview impression, says Stu from London. Make him. Please do it. I do want you to do it. Please do it. 
do it, please. <laughs> please do it. Please do the impression of Daniel Plainview my, from the. My Will name is Daniel Plainview. <laughs> do more. Do the milkshake bit. Do it, please. Do the bit where he says about the. I put my straw. Please do it. Do that bit. Uh, go on, last night, what about telling- Oh yeah, we, just, we were gonna go out and Judd said, instead of milkshake, say reefer, it'll kill. <laughs> right, just before he went so, on stage so in front go, of a thousand people. I smoke your reefer. <laughs> thousand indifferent people suddenly oh, really lose They're respect. Like, mm, no. Hillbilly superstar Bill yeah, Hader Bill exposed. Like, oh man, dang. Hot dog. <laughs> now please do it, and I will not uh, attempt to. Hey, instead of uh, milkshake, why don't you know nothing? Just do do you know, like don't say anything like, hillbilly related or anything. Just do you know a standard a vanilla uh, Daniel Plainview, if you don't mind, please, Bill Hader. Um. Do it, please. My name is Daniel Plainview. <laughs> this is my son and partner, H.W. Plainview. I'm an oil man. <laughs> there you go. Please do the milkshake bit. <laughs> oh, I'd like to apologise for the first part of a swear word there from Bill Hader. But when you let hillbilly yokels on the radio, what do you expect? He's come out of the gutter. Why'd you do it? He can't even do a simple impression. I just stopped traffic. <laughs> this is the BBC. The Queen's radio station, BBC Radio, the Queen is probably listening. You have torn apart the English establishment. I'm very sorry, Queen. <laughs> Thank you. That it goes some way. It was Daniel Plainview who swore, so, you know. But that's that was, true. That's we, true. That is good. It's really good. We still haven't had the milkshake good. bit. Do the milkshake bit and try and I change. drink your milkshake. What do you want to hear? Gold, say golden retriever instead of milkshake. <laughs> I want a 69 golden retriever. <laughs> I want a golden retriever in my mouth. <laughs> there you are. Even more offensive than the F word there. I'd like to apologise even for having Bill Hader as a guest. It was a mistake. I got carried away because I had a natural rapport with him and we thought of a really, really yes. nice, funny joke. But our rapport was built on very nasty humour. Very nasty, <laughs> unbroadcastable humour. Right, you know, like you know, if you're a comedian, Matt, right, and and this is something you can only <laughs> dream of. Like, people, uh, people ask you all the time, "Were you a class clown?" So I did this thing with uh, Bill Hader, where I'd go up to like before I interviewed him on TRL, and I'd just go, uh, "Okay, Bill. Uh, so of course you were heavily involved in the emancipation movement and civil rights movement of the 1950s. Uh, you worked mm -hmm. closely with Dr. Martin Luther King." Yes, sir. Uh, tragically, you were present also at the assassination of uh, Malcolm X. The yes, unfortunately, yes. Black leader. Um, even to the present day, you have remained in close contact with uh, ex-members of Black Panthers. That's true. Yeah. And campaign for uh, equal rights in the workplace for people of different races and nationalities. That's true, isn't it? Yes, no, that's true. Yes. Also, though, now you are very interested in sexism and the way that's affecting people's yes, lives. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and this this was work that you took more seriously after the recent death of your wife, Lynn. Yes, Lynn. Yeah, and so you've quite you've dedicated your life to campaigning yes. for other people's freedom. Mm. Were you a class clown? <laughs>
<laughs> we spent hours doing that. We would walk up to each other and just say the most horrible lead up and go, were you a class clown? Obviously, it's difficult now because given this week's events, I have to be very careful. You know, Eric, I've had a difficult week, Bill. I'll tell you about it after the show. But like, uh, you know, it's just so, but like that were you a class clown thing, it's basically, that's the foundation for my relationship with Bill Hader. Don't take that away. No. Because we need that. That's what we're, we're running pretty much on that. Well, thank you, Bill, for doing the uh, Daniel Plainview impression there. Let's see if we can move on neatly into an item. <clears throat> Sometimes I do this, Bill, where I read out a news story and then Matt derides me for it simply not being good enough. And that's a problem that could be alleviated by me simply reading the story before doing it live on the radio <laughs> show. And I've never actioned this idea. Here we go. Fake FBI officer duped in town. Oh, no, duped town. An unemployed trucker who claimed to be an undercover FBI agent sent to a small town to clean up its drug problem is facing 105 years in jail. Bill Jacob, 37, led armed raids, made arrests and interrogated suspects after arriving in Gerald, Missouri, armed with a gun, a fake badge and a second-hand police car. He <laughs> even stole the name of a fictional FBI unit from the Eddie Murphy film Beverly Hills Cop <laughs> in an effort to prove his credentials. Hello, I'm here to clean up this town. <laughs> That <laughs> you can't trust this man. That's to, the to, worst to, Eddie Murphy impression ever. I know, it's because I drifted I'm, I'm, in. I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, you, you should have seen his face, so it really works. Uh, yeah, when you see the, <laughs> the transformation, it, it was physical. <laughs> it <to> life physically. <laughs> it was pretty impressive, actually. <laughs> Bill Hader. With racist he, he was so makeup, impressed. I'm sure. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he was so impressed, Bill, that his bit of hay fell out of his gob. <laughs> <laughs> An elderly woman claims she was forced into a psychiatric ward after failing to, op to cooperate with the fake officer. And one man claims that the fake officer held a gun to his head and threatened to shoot him in front of his children. <laughs> Surely if you're going to pretend to be a fake FBI officer, don't take such preposterous risks. What's making this guy tick, Bill? Mm. You're a mentally ill gentleman. <laughs> Give us an insight. Well, I don't see any problem with it at all. So far. I think, uh, I think it seems like a very sound operation so far. <laughs> He's got to clean up that town of its drugs somehow. He does have to, and you have to take any means necessary. Sometimes, if you want to clean up a town of its drug problem, you have to shoot a few parents in front of their kids. That's sometimes just the price that's paid, right? Collateral damage. Collateral damage. The motive... <laughs> Listen to this bit, it's quite good. The motives for the deception are unclear. <laughs> well, Wasn't he doing good work, though? What the, yeah, yeah. Well, Didn't not the help? bit where he was threatening those people. I don't know, Matt. I mean, a lot of his investigation... Look, he was armed with a gun, a fake badge. Doesn't even say if it was a police badge. It could have just said, what he loves Yeah, just six flags, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meatloaf. The motives of the deception are unclear. He had credentials. He had a badge, said Otis Short, the town's mayor. Otis. I don't know. I don't know what else we could have done. I don't know, man. I mean, he had a wallet, and he was driving a car. Struck me as a member of the police force. Ah, oh, there you go. Lovely news story there. What a topsy-turvy world we all live in. Very shortly, we will be speaking to the brilliant musician Noel Gallagher, beloved of us all, who left what I can only describe as an insensitive answer phone message on my phone which we'll be thinking about playing we don't know if whether or not it's prudent at the, the current time we all know that there is only one man on this radio show and it certainly isn't celebrity hillbilly impressionist bill hader no it's
It is Oasis superstar Noel Gallagher. Are you there, Noel? That was the Velvet on the ground, wasn't it, really? I know. I wasn't, I wasn't going to tell him that, but, you know. Oh, oh, that's Bond over music. Once we had a beer and we held hands in a clammy venue. <laughs> Listen, boys, let's just get on with the show and stop sucking each other's privates like it's Bill Hader with a golden retriever, okay? Ooh. I'm here to work. chops, eh? <laughs> You're right, Noel. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the answer, phone message and support. Really appreciate that at a hard time. Yeah, well, you know, you know, we've all been there, Russ. Although some of us have not put our foot in our mouth quite as much as you have, but you know. No, I've I mean, I, obviously, there's a bit of a standoff between you and I, and Noel, because I know what I can't mention. You know what you can't mention. Uh, let me take this opportunity to introduce you to Bill Hader. Perhaps can't you would do us the courtesy of being polite. Can I mention you coming across like Heather Mills before? <laughs> hey, listen, if Heather Mills puts her foot in her mouth, she'll be in a lot of trouble. So I don't think I was that much oh, like Heather Mills. Let me, let me introduce you to Bill Hader. Bill, Noel, say hello to hello, each Bill. other. Come on. Hello. <laughs> there you go. There's a, there's a lovely moment for us all there. Have you had a nice time this week, Noel Gallagher? I've just been looking through yesterday's papers today. Anything McCollum, catch your eye? Page, page 23 of the song was quite interesting. He's oh, doing well, an item yeah. on the papers. <laughs> no, you don't get to do an item. You did already did a trail. Just looking on at tomorrow's house. headlines. Yeah, it was, uh, just, yeah, <laughs> very, very interesting. What do you think this is? Newsnight. <laughs> but are you drunk, Granddad? What's going on? You're out of control. No, I'm not drunk. No, 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 no. I'm not drunk. What house are you in, Noel? I'm in my big house. In the countryside, yeah. Well, the glorified suburbs. Yeah, because you get a bit arrogant when you're there, I notice. I do indeed. <laughs> you get a bit lord of the manor, don't you? I do you? indeed. I look at my extensive cigar collection and think, why am I on that Joker's radio show in about ten minutes? Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Seems... Don't think we don't ask ourselves the same question every week, Noel. No, you, you, we... no you ask when or oh, when. When is the game on? We're very grateful to have you. You are a beloved friend of this show. Yeah, thanks for that answer. Well, this is, I shall recreate for you now the answer phone message on my answer phone left by Noel Gallagher. And here it is verbatim. Well, 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 all Ross thinks it's funny to make jokes about rape. Well, 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 got yourself in a bit of trouble, then he has to say sorry and make an embarrassing <laughs> climb down. <laughs> Let's discuss it all on the Russell Brand Radio Show on Saturday, 9pm. Then just hung up. He did a trial. He did a perfectly uh, worded trial. My, my breakfast never tasted as sweet as it did that morning. <laughs> <laughs> really? Nice, oh, yeah. was it? What were you doing? Listening to a bit of Jay-Z? Getting your ham and eggs down your neck. I was, yeah. eat, I was eating some meat and drinking uh, some Guinness and just thinking, my, 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 the world's a better place today. <laughs> well, if you're the probably is if you're drinking Guinness for breakfast, you yeah, poor well, out-of-touch rock star in your country the pile. The breakfast of champions, we call it, Russell. <laughs> well, <laughs> lovely. Probably there are trade description issues that prevent you from drinking that. Now, I've got some lovely emails here. Let's, let's talk about that, because you heard my Heather Mills moment. I dealt with the issue. Actually, no, I thought that you might come on and have the maturity and the common decency to say what a brilliant speech, well executed, illuminating, touching on subjects as diverse as freedom of speech, the power of comedy, the evil vituperative control that the media can place upon us when it's in the wrong hands, but instead he comes on and gets all cheap. to delete the word sorry out of any Yes, of exactly. <laughs> because that's because... Humility, uh, Russell, come on. The boy Listen, does protest too much, I think. 
there's be humility is one of the central tenements of the new pathological Christ-like Russell Brand persona that I'm offering to you, people of the world, as a way out of tyranny. But what I cannot do is bow down and capitulate to the people that want to prohibit us and make us stupid. I think it was George Bernard Shaw who once said that <laughs> sex attacks oh, are funny. Man, you guys, I can't follow. <laughs> hillbilly, hillbilly hater there, piping up from the sidelines, momentarily putting aside a pig he was kissing to join in with the show. Hey, but, you're right. But, but listen, the thing is, though, Russ, you know you didn't mean mm. any harm. Everybody else knows you didn't mean any harm. So you upset a few journalists. So what? That's a good thing. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thanks, Noel, for a bit of sensible, and I, and bit of sensible and, content. And that's coming from someone that's made a career out of it. That's true. That's true. Thank you. That, some of the highlights of your career have been the rude yeah, things you've yeah. said. Oh, you, oh, you uh, you know, you're a funny guy. Thank you very much. Is this leading to something? Because don't make me fill up with tears and then say something <laughs> horrible no, to no, me. No, 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 no. You know, it's just that's just your turn of phrase is different from everybody else's. Right. Thank you. So there we go. If people don't get it, they don't get it. You know, get over it, move on. Come on. I think what Noel's trying to say is that even Jesus was sometimes misunderstood. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Did not our Lord cast them thieves out of the temple? Well, there's obviously similarities there. Here we go. You might We've got some. To Jesus. Uh, That's not nothing given... new. Trust me. He was doing that when he was on drugs and had no job. I am the Lord. <laughs> Jesus, loaf about with long hair on acid. I don't think so. Well, he might have, he might have done. Come on. <laughs> Let's revise history. Here, hold on. Here's a nice letter here. It's a bit off topic. It's from Steve in Canterbury, Kent. Hello, Russell. I've just found out that top decking is the slang term for doing a poo in someone's house, but instead of doing it down the pan, you do it in the cistern bit behind the toilet and then replace that lid. Have you ever done it? Would you like to? Steve, Canterbury. Well, I've never done it. Noel, I've have you? Done it. No, 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 I've never done it. Matt have you ever? I don't think I have, actually. What's the point of doing Matt. that? Is it like a trick and it stays in there for ages? I suppose so, but what's the point? Who's the, you know, what are you getting from that? What was it doing? Yeah. Yeah. Let's ask Kill Billy Hader. in your bowels, for starters. Yeah, well, yeah. that's nice. That's yeah. conventional, but like, Bill, is, uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming you'd recognise a conventional lavatory. Which part of it would you choose to... I, I, don't, I thought that's the way it worked. <laughs> yeah. I think if Bill were to see a genuine porcelain lavatory, he might marry it. Or, yes. <laughs> or, or give it to someone as a wedding present. Here's a toilet. Bill, I hope you're not offended by this, because our relationship is based mainly on that one Man, joke. No, 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 mainly, mainly on one joke, so, so we're it, learning more about each other. Yeah, I, I, you only go down from here. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is the, the descent of a once great relationship. It's like all Russell's relationships, mate, don't worry. Hey. Based on one chance meeting gone on for the last three years <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's one it wasn't a chance meeting though it was you eagerly eagerly coming to see a hot young stand-up in a pub with 50 people or i got a phone call russell russell no gallagher's at the pub he's come to see your stand-up oh cancel the gig i said <laughs> the oasis are so passe <laughs> <laughs> I, I decided I to girlfriend's quite fit <laughs> I heard that mentioned, then I decided to turn up. Then I did such a good show that Noel Gallagher sat himself down on my coat towels, where he's been ever since, <laughs> coasting along in the slipstream of glory. And, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd miss him if he were gone tomorrow. Now, come on, why don't we all do an item together to celebrate this show reaching its climax? Of course, oh, yes, we've got a poem. Now, Mr. G, the poet laureate of the show, is unable uh, to attend because he's off on some Ponce's holiday doing some West End. I don't know what he's been up to. He's 
probably away with John Michael Gambon or something canoeing. But with <laughs> with in his stead, we have got the brilliant Gareth Roy, the untried and inexperienced producer of our show, who frankly still struggles with his normal job. He's written a poem. It's been handed to Bill Hader, oh. who is looking at it with something akin to contempt. <laughs> and now, Bill, the, the, the function of this show is to summarise the events ah. of the uh, radio show thus far. There may be some mm -hmm. things that uh, you are unfamiliar with because the, like, the events would have occurred before you arrived in studio, but other things might be familiar to you. Nonetheless, would you be so kind? My name's on there, so I get that. That's nice. You like his little face lit up, the recognition <laughs> of oh, that. that's cool. And to our relief, we've learned that Bill he Hader can read. So that's well, a punch of that hillbilly yeah. bubble. Do you want me to do this as myself? Well, I don't know. I mean, do you have any value as yourself, or could we get no. one of those lovely impressions? I mean, look, let's think of the, the options we've got. We've got Daniel Plainview, yes. We've got Al Pacino. There's a whole host of impressions that you could do. Yeah, Matt, have you got any suggestions? Um, well, I don't know what his, his repartee is. No, I know, of course, because Saturday Night Live is in an American television program. Bill, is there anything that you'd like to suggest? Noel, you by now probably would have blurted out something offensive if you'd thought of it. Oh, so well, I can assume you've got nothing. The thing I think of is doing an impersonation of Russell. Mm. Oh, hello. Suddenly the hunter has become the hunted. <laughs> I don't know if I can. You can't do an impression. I don't, I don't think I can do an impression of you. That's quite insulting, no, in a way. I can't do an impression of you. The sincerest form of flattery. <laughs> no, well, he's just revealed that... Okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't okay. like that. Was that, <laughs> that was more Edgar okay. Wright, I think. Okay, tell. <laughs> I don't know, really. I don't. No, it's more Edgar Wright. It's good. Right. <laughs> <Sorry, laughs> People are saying that's quite good. Yeah, that is yeah, quite good. He sounded funny like Spinal Tap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. perhaps do that voice and we'd While like Gee paddles his wares uh, <laughs> at Latitude Fest, I step up to the mic for this reason, unreasonable request from mistaken comedy and mistaken identity, both sides of the Atlantic. Why is the buck stopped with me? George Michael's fans are mistaken for Russell's. Outside of hotel rooms are Ahmed and Judd Jussel. Well, I don't know. Jostle, I reckon that's oh, possibly a seminar over to London for more fun from LA for a long stay is Matt Morgan's Dungeon. Because he's a criminal, playlist tantrums, despicable, selling crown jewels to open a hospital, Nazi dog, <laughs> Nazi dog loving won't bring back McGregor from hanging up on overseas jaunts as Star Wars take him from shore to shore. <clears throat> While Matt sucks sourly on apple from an oh, as Max sucks sourly on water from an apple, Russell's pursued by De Niro's double. While godless Bill Hader hosed down on retrievers, no natural light will burst from Russell's bubble. Well, is that is the end it of the finished yet? Yeah, I'm just going to stop with that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Bill, did you go? Bill Hader grew tired of Gareth I did, Roy's yeah, poem. As I was reading, I went, what? Did something inside you sort of give up on that bit of poetry? Listen, I think you rendered it incredibly well, Bill. Thanks. Because it was, frankly, a bad poem, very badly written by Gareth Roy, <laughs> the former producer of our radio show, hey, who is really now good. just... Does he have an email address? The, the, uh, uh, yeah, we email him about this poem? Gareth Roy at Van VanityProjects.com. Send your views on that abysmal poem to him. He should know. Dear Gareth, because like, you know, I tried to present it that, you know, that he was helping us out, but actually Gareth went, uh, is Mr. G's not here? Could I write the poem this week? And Mr. G, you don't know this, he's a, a young black poet, very cool, very street, and Gareth has embarrassingly tried to mimic his style in well, all, I don't all know. sorts Maybe of... Maybe I just read it wrong. No, your reading was great, Bill. Don't question yourself. It's a miracle you can read it all. Don't quit question yourself. You've been a magnificent guest. 
le radio-journal de Radio-Canada.